It's Grow the Heck Up. Welcome to Grow the Heck Up. Race, religion, music, culture, health, community, hip-hop, and the Bible. Yeah, man, if you're watching by now, then you probably know, you know, even, you know, watching live or by replay, then you probably know that uh, Nipsey Hussle, rapper Nipsey Hussle from L.A., um, was shot and killed in front of the store that he owned. I think he owned the home building, and he rented out to tenants. I heard Nipsey Hussle tell a story a couple weeks ago on Genius. What's up, Afro Zephyr? What's up, Brie K? Uh, what's up, No Malice? I heard Nipsey Hussle tell a story on Genius the other day uh, where he said that, you know, one of the owners of one of the restaurants um, used to remove the chairs so people couldn't chill in there, you know, and that's so they had to cop and go or whatever. He said that was offending him. Even as a young kid, he was like, yo, this is, something's wrong with this. He said, now that business is it was his tenant, man. Um, tragic, tragic loss, man. You know, tragic loss, man. And, you know, Nipsey Hussle was one of the rappers I listened to. I think he put out a, a song or album since then. Maybe it's a short project. But I listened. The last album I heard from uh, Nipsey Hussle was Victory Lap. Um, I can't say it was positive, but it was definitely uh, motivation music. Um, you know, it was like hustle, motivate, you know, definitely was, uh, wasn't positive. I, w I wouldn't play it for my kids. I, w I wouldn't pass it to children or anything like that. But he was someone who really was trying to be what he believed was positive. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, you know, without, without speaking too much on, you know, him and, and, and his death, you know, the, ang the angle that comes to mind is, is still the same, like, I see people who, you know, I see people crying online. You know what I mean? Uh, people who, who you, you might see as really strong, who didn't re really know them. You know what I mean? Um, as JSLA just said, yeah, he talked he talk grimy too. He talked about getting that get back, putting in that work too. But um, I saw a dude crying, real strong dude. You know what I mean? And um, people seem really brokenhearted by his death, man. And, you know, I experienced... I experienced death from violence when I was in sixth grade. First time my brother was shot and killed. You know what I mean? Innocent bystander at that. And, you know, it all comes back to music for me. Maybe that's not everybody's experience. You know, I, I understand and respect of some people. Some of my friends don't even take the music that seriously. They're Christians. You know, they'd be like, oh, it's just music, boss. Well, you know, for me, it just it wasn't just music. You know, I lost my brother to gun violence and then went on to glorify the same things when I started making music. And, you know, one thing I'd like, the, the point I'd like to raise is that, you know, you know, if you guys seen Paid in Full, you heard Cameron say, I just get shot every day, B, right? And every day we play music that talks about making people feel like people feel over this famous person, you know? Now, of course, understandably, when someone famous has made a contribution to society, of course they've touched more people. Of course you're more likely to feel emotions over a person who has touched you with their music or their art or their words or their speeches or even their product or their television show or whatever. It's not that that's the part I don't understand, but I just would like to call to mind any of you who routinely and regularly support this narrative and this music that is glorifying making people feel like this every day. Spirit is heavy now, right? Every day. So what then, man? This is what it's gonna be. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. No. Brother No Malice just said it's just music till it ain't. Right. And you know. Again, I, I, you know, I'm, I try, I try to be a, uh, even though I'm outspoken, I try to, I try to respect lines, you know, where if I, I, I can say whatever I want and feel like I can stand next to you and justify what I said, even if you don't like what I said. So this really isn't about Nipsey Hussle or his memory. It's about the culture that supports everything that's making people cry right now. Right now, there are rappers that I can name. It's at least, it's at least three sets of beef that I could tell you from rappers who are popular and semi-popular making threats right now, online, right now. And I'm not saying that everybody thinks it's cool, 
I'm just saying it's acceptable. You guys see it, well-known people making threats, like, you know, and it's like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have so much to say, really, I guess, but it's like, what, what tomorrow? What tomorrow? Famous, your, your favorite gangster rapper about to drop a, his next single about killing everybody still? What, to, what now? I'm just saying, man. A lot of this music is the soundtrack. A lot of this music is the soundtrack to this outcome right here. And it's a shame that you got to be Nipsey Hussle for people to care. It's like Black Lives Matter. It's a shame that a white person got to take your life for people for some people to care. You know? Elaine said a homie of mine was killed yesterday. It's like, yo, man. So I was hanging out without yesterday. I was with I was at the I was at Bizzle's concert. I was Bizzle, I was with Bizzle, D1, and Flame. Just having a discussion about some of the young kids that I'm working down here with and um you know it's it's sad to say but some of the youngins that I look at you know I don't I don't pronounce their end but just based on how I lived my life when I was a young person and the people I know and where I grew up there are certain kids that I'm interacting with every day down here I'm like if this kid continues on this trajectory he's going to jail he's going to die Right. It's not a prophecy. It's not pronouncing death. It's almost like if someone keeps eating fried chicken, you like, oh, you might have a heart attack. Purely deductive reasoning. You know, one of the kids I play music on the bus or whatever, you know, and, uh, you know, a kid asked me yesterday to play NBA young boy. You know what I mean? This is what they want. This is what they want, man. And, uh, yeah, man, you know, people are grieving and mourning. I don't want to be all, you know, uh, fire and brimstone and all of that. But it's like, what, man? You like it till you don't or what? You know, and I, I, I did an interview for a little documentary yesterday. And one of the things I said was, I understand everybody doesn't have my worldview. In a sense, everybody doesn't view words the same. You know, I have a biblical worldview. I trust the Bible as the unadulterated word of God. The Bible says for every idle word that men speak, they will give an account on of on the day of judgment. It says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks out of the abundance, out of the overflow, whatever you mostly made up of is what's coming out of your mouth. So I don't believe you, you're in a marriage or you in a relationship or you a gossiper or you a backbiter or you speak maliciously or you double talk, you backstab. I don't believe you can tell somebody you didn't mean that. I don't believe the Bible gives us that liberty, you know, because it's, it's easy to say that. Like when you've calmed down or when you've come to your senses to tell somebody you love, oh, yo, I didn't really mean that. I don't think the Bible gives us that liberty. The Bible says it holds you accountable for what you say. So what you say is connected to your heart. But I'm going to prove to you that a lot of us know that deep down because there's music, there's hip hop music about all kinds of crime. There's no hip-hop music about rape and pedophilia, really. Dudes have said a couple lines over the years. They have. You know, DMX said, if you got a daughter that's older than 15, I'm a raper. Cameron said to Nas, take your daughter to R. Kelly, have my way with her face. Um, Rick Ross said, and you don't even know it, he said, uh, put Molly all in her champagne. She ain't even know it. I took her home and enjoyed that. She ain't even know it. Um, what else? There have been some Biggie. Oh, Biggie! Biggie got the most pedophilia lines uh, in anybody. Like, you know, pedophilia popped up quite a bit in Big's catalog. Um, on 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 uh, Dead Wrong, he said the weak and the strong got it going on. You guys know that song? He said, "Cause I like them young, fresh and green, with no hair in between." Know what I mean? Uh, he said. Don't you know the gutter kidnap kids? You know, F them in they ASS and throw them over the bridge. You know what I mean? But but generally speaking, people shy away from that. I doubt that most black people would be able to listen to a white racist, no matter how excellent his skill level was. I don't know. Maybe some people would. I don't know. 
Maybe they would. You guys think they would? What do you guys think? Do you guys think black people would be okay listening to like skinhead rap? Why not? Do you guys think people would be okay listening to rappers talking about molesting children or or white people killing black people? If white rappers were saying they would, would kill black people. But if it's just music, why? You know, one time I asked somebody in here on Periscope or you Instagram, wherever I was live, I said, why do you think people wouldn't listen to rape or molestation music or anything like that? You know what they said? They said, because I don't agree with it. Oh, so you agree with dope dealing and degrading black women and, and, and killing black men. Of course, people don't really, right? Like, of course. But you got to ask yourself, you know, my man Rick said not initially, but yes, over time. And I believe that therein lies the power of music. And I believe that's a great deception. And people tell you it's the white man that co-opted the music because they didn't want it positive. I tell you, it's the devil. I tell you it's the enemy. I tell you the ability to communicate with beats and rhymes and mix words and music. If you want to get spooky, the Bible says the Lord spoke and it came to be. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, the Bible says, right? And uh, the starry host by the breath of his mouth, we know in Psalms. God said, let there be light, and it was. God spoke. And depending on your theology and how you interpret the descriptions some of the descriptions in the Bible, some people believe the devil was a master of music. If the description is referring to the devil, he supposedly has pipes in his body. But either way, we got this association that Satan is connected to music. Hip hop is the only genre of music that combines that spoken word message with musicality. Simple idea, right? Don't seem to have ever been done before in that way. Powerful medium, powerful medium for communication. You know, hip-hop is taking black people to the White House, express what we go through and what our lifestyle is like around the world. I went to Africa with Bizzle, and they were asking them, and they were, it wasn't ignorant. The questions that they were asking, you could see that they were processing us through the lens of what they saw from hip-hop culture. And they were Christians, and so were we. So we get to Africa, the conversation is like, wow, you know, this is what I, this is what I think goes on there based on hip-hop. So... It's a powerful medium, man, and the enemy has really co-opted it. So what am I saying? Rick said that over time, people would be comfortable with many things they didn't agree with. That's just the power of music, and it's definitely the power of hip-hop as well. I also think that people would be, uh, uh, be also inclined to get acclimated to a different message. To a different message. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. A lot of y'all say it's just music, man. But, you know, it ain't never been music where I was from. It ain't never been just music where I was from. It was the soundtrack. When we wanted to go catch a robbery, we put on Give Me the Loot by Biggie. We didn't put on Tribe Called Quest. Hmm. Right. We didn't put on party hip hop when we about to go do some dirt. When you're chilling in the crib and you're loading up the ratchets, smoking, you're drinking, you're ready to go tear something up. You're not putting on Busta Rhymes even. You understand? You're putting on the soundtrack to what you're about to go do. And the rappers know it, though. Here, you know, here's the thing. The rappers know it. I'll, I'll give you a couple of uh, quotes that I've kept over the years. I've kept these quotes over the years as a reminder that when I challenge rappers, because, you know, some of my Christian brethren tell me, like, yeah, you put that mob deep on, especially Prodigy. Prodigy had a way of uh, communicating in a way that was like, like that bone chilling type of type of way. Only a couple rappers have that. Um, yeah, let me see. Let's see if I can pull this up. Yeah, welcome to Grow the Heck Up. Race, religion, music, culture, health, community, hip-hop, and the Bible. So here, here, here are a couple quotes. All right? You, you say rap is just the CNN of the, sh of the streets. Well, you know what? I'll make a political joke on that. Rap is like the CNN of the streets because CNN don't report the news now. They practice activist journalism. They're not just telling you what's going on. They're injecting their opinion into it, telling you exactly where they stand, what they side with, putting their emotions into it, and all of that. 
So yeah, rap is now the CNN of the streets. Uh, you can tell I don't really trust CNN. But I, I but here was my my disagreement with that used to be reporters don't inject themselves into the story. You're not just reporting live from the hood. You're glorifying everything that goes on there. Vast difference. Vast difference. Somebody saying, yo, this is how it goes down. This is what happens where I'm from. You know, this is why I don't have a problem with vi I was listening to a book the other day. Um, author's not important. And he talked about, and I hate to make everything down the line, but the, the line is so clear sometimes. The difference between like sex and violence. You know, uh, he, he said, this is how you could tell if it's probably might be a, possibly a way to tell if it's a liberal or conservative show, the liberal would probably leave, uh, take the, uh, the liberal would probably leave the sex in and take the violence out. The conservative would probably leave the violence in and take the sex out. But I say that to say, I don't have a problem with violence in movies. Context is everything. You know, in the old Testament, when somebody did something wrong and it was time to get stoned, the Bible said, bring everybody to watch. So I don't think it's the violence. I think it's the context of the violence. You can show violence as payment for something, right? You can create a context where you display violence in a way that doesn't glorify violence. Sex is not the same thing. You know, it's very hard to show sex even in its proper context without it having a, you know, without it having that kind of effect. But when it comes to violence, you know, rappers aren't just reporting. You know, Christian rappers I listen to talk about violence all the time, drugs all the time, sex all the time. The context with which we discuss these things makes all the difference. So now what? So now what? This is this is the soundtrack. You, you know, people say music doesn't make anybody do anything. If you if you if you're from the culture and you're from the hood, I don't know how you really honest. About, I don't know how that could be honest. Maybe you haven't thought about it. Maybe you don't remember when Jay Z said, "I don't wear jerseys. I'm 30 plus." Give me a crisp white tea, button up. Sales of jerseys dropped. Grown men changed what they wore outside because one rapper said he doesn't wear it anymore. No, it's never been just music for black people. That's kind of the difference, right? Like our music is interwoven into our experience in this country. It's always chronicled what we've been through in a whole different kind of way, you know? And when you're talking about a young generation that's largely fatherless, being raised by the headphones, look at the culture of what I brought up the other day, how I said liberals, because that's really who it is when I'm talking about this particular issue, are trying to convince you that the dog whistle racism that Donald Trump is spewing from uh, the bully pulpit of the presidency, meaning the things that Donald Trump says they're not overtly racist, but they're like dog whistles. And that's what's causing white men to choke, strangle, pour bleach on people, call them derogatory, homosexual and racist names in polar vortexes. If you don't know, I'm talking about Jussie Smollett, right? When everybody thought Jussie, not everybody, because some of us did not believe Jussie Smollett for a minute. But when Jussie Smollett happened, people said it's the rhetoric of the president that's causing it. Right. So we always talk about white people having privilege and, you know, the white man being insulated and having the security net of society. So if the white man is not immune to the power of the president's words and they're not even overt words, they're dog whistles. Right. They're not like overt. The president's whispering secret frequency words. Right. And that's making white people want to kill people. So what a fatherless black man going to do when they got kill that nigga in their headphones every day? What chance do they have? If the white man cannot resist the dog whistles of the president. How are your favorite rappers getting by with saying what they say about women? That's what it is, man. It's tragic, man. Nipsey Hussle was a dude who was an example to people of how to really like, okay, let's start making this transition up out of that life. Let's start moving. Let's start buying property. And he always been on. I don't know how long you've been following uh, Nipsey Hussle, but Nipsey Hussle came into the game. There's a video that we're probably going to post tomorrow. Nipsey Hussle was young, off the fresh off the block, talking Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, poor dad talk, if you if you ever seen the video before. Nipsey Hussle was like, yeah, I'm trying to buy real estate assets or things that, you know, 
Um, the difference between assets and liabilities, the chains, the jewelry, the cars, those are liabilities. I'm trying to get some assets. I'm trying to get real estate. He was talking like that from the gate. And he really demonstrated that is what he was doing. Went back the way he was, bought a block, and it, you know, and it's tragic and everybody crying now, but like, you know, what's the, what's the soundtrack going to be tomorrow? What's the message going to be tomorrow? What shade room in TMZ going to post next time somebody have a beef? You know, that's why it bugged me out with the Kanye thing. I saw Harvey Levin from TMZ sit Kanye down and try to say his hat was offensive because he wore a Make America Great Again hat. TMZ, the same, the same place I first saw 21 Savage brandishing a pistol at a picnic. You know, if you watch TMZ, because I do, right? You know, they zoom in on it and go, bing! And I'm like, TMZ shows black people at their worst, at their worst. TMZ shows the most debased elements of black people and everything that we represent. Something ratchet happened. Remember when TMZ only showed white people? I don't know if y'all been, I've, I've been following, you know, I'm a media person, you know, I follow media very closely. You know, I remember when the game was one of the first rappers that started popping up on TMZ. I'm like, oh shoot, TMZ's getting kind of hood. Since then, we've seen how many black people fighting on TMZ. But they said that Kanye's hat was offensive. Yeah, okay. Leftists. I don't mess with that leftist ideology. But anyway, you know. Yeah, they did try to bully Kanye into taking off the MAGA hat. But you know what it is. You can kill black men. You know, you, you can stay on that script all day and nobody will say nothing. But yeah, man, so so this, this, this video isn't really so much about Nipsey Hussle. It's tragic that he got killed. You know what I mean? But I just want everybody to... Consider, right? you remember what you want, but at least do me a favor and consider that the soundtrack in the black community is what absolutely makes people feel like many in the world are feeling today over Nipsey. It used to be taboo with Vibe magazine and all of that promoting beef. Now... Beef happened, you can't get, you know, you don't know who gonna get it first. Complex, TMZ, Breakfast Club, who gonna get it first? Who pulled up on who? Like, it's cool now. And then when somebody renowned die, everybody wanna be like, yo, yo, yo. What's the soundtrack? What's the soundtrack to the young fatherless black men? Yeah, man, I don't know. I don't know. You raise your kids how you want. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you guys something else about the young kids I'm working with. And I'm very careful because, I, you know, I got to be careful. I got to be careful. But I will tell you this. There are a couple kids in the group that aren't really with the business like that, right? They, they seem like decent kids. Like, man, some of these kids, their manners is so impeccable. You can tell if they continue on that trajectory, they're going places. They scared the death of the other kids. Scared to death. One kid told me, he's like, I'm afraid of them. He told me. And this kid has such a bright smile, such a bright energy, polite, courteous, considerate, I'm like, that kid seemed like he's going places. He's scared to the death of the little savages on the, on the, uh, in the rest of the group. What do you do? What do you do? This is the culture. This is the culture. And everybody gives it a pass. Oh, it's just rap, boss. Like, you can't go at, you know, like, you, all right, cool. Cool. You like listening to music about black men killing each other? Hey, it sounds good. I like it, too. I like it too. He said, in my opinion, handle yourself first and handle your family business second once you prove results, assist your community. I'm going to keep it real, man. Like, you know, assisting the community is part of my life. But don't nobody got to help their community? Why? Why you got to help your community? Listen, man. Sounds cold-blooded, right? But we got to get for real, man. Let's just start with take care of your own family first. If I'm taking care of my family and you taking care of yours, we got a community. We straight. We straight. We only, I, and, and I don't know how this didn't dawn on me. So for so many years, I just was, I wanted, you know, the Bible talks about the fatherless. And I was just, 
And, and, you know, I don't know, man. I guess we all got to grow or whatever. But I used to, you know, like, the kids don't have fathers. These kids don't have fathers. These kids don't have fathers. And then it just, all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute. What? Like, why is the why isn't, why aren't we, you know, because the burden is on the government. The burden is on oppression. The burden is on white supremacy. The burden is even on the children. But why is not the message now like, yo, this is why, transition a little bit, this is why I dislike the context of the reparations conversation right now. I saw something from Forbes.com the other day. And somebody retweeted it. And I don't know if it was in the article, but they posted and they said, I'm going to read some hip hop quotes to you too. They said, um, pause. Let me read the hip hop quotes first, and then we'll come back to reparations. DJ Paul of Three Six Mafia and Double XL Magazine said, "Little Wayne helped popularize it." Now, talking about Scissor, right? But Three Six Mafia been rapping about drugs since about '89. We did sipping on some syrup back in 2000, and I knew once the song blew up, it was going to blow the drug up because that's how everything goes. So why do you keep grant? Why do we keep granting rappers this inferiority privilege? Oh, they're just sinners. They just don't know. Any this man is saying, "Oh, I knew the drug was about to blow up because that's how everything goes." Got another one for you. If there's anybody, it's a couple of dudes in rap that you know. You don't got to know them to know they certify. Other certified rappers say they're certified. There's just a believability about what they've been through. They got the receipts and all that. Young Jeezy is one of those people, right? Here's what Young Jeezy had to say. I got all eyes on me. I got life after death. All that ish is real music to me. I got the ish that means something to me in my era. I got the old cash money-ish. That's a prize era in my time for me. Back then, you couldn't tell me-ish. Them N-words had N-words wanting to go get a Rolex. And so that's subtle, but here's somebody who's certified, acknowledging, not maybe not as intentionally, but giving homage and props by saying, yo, I was out in the street doing this, that, and the third, and this music influenced me and made me want to go do this, that, and the third. What hope does a young black kid have pumping this music in his head or in, in, in his head all day every day? I got one more for you. Rick Ross in an all hip hop interview in 2009 when he asked about being compared to Biggie. I don't know if you guys remember for a while when Rick Ross started running with B.I.G., there were like a lot of comparisons like, oh, you know, you, you're the big dude, you would puff now and all of this kind of stuff. Here's what Rick Ross had to say. When I hear that, it's most definitely a compliment, but I'll never disrespect B.I.G., even though I'm one of the first to admit my own game is to create my own vibe. But at the same time, emulate the greats. When you listen to this, listen to this for all of you snowflake, uh, so-called empathetic Christians who say these guys, they just don't know, you know, poor little millionaires, boo hoo hoo. Right. He says. When you in the hood, you don't have stylus. You don't know what's cracking. You look at the TV. Um, Rick Ross looks up at an imaginary TV with Biggie Smalls on it. What, what that sweater is? What's that called? Oh, that's a Coogee? Oh, I want a Coogee. That's the simple influence. What he say he's smoking his blunts? Garcia Vega. Now I walk in the blunt store and I see it. Oh, let me get them. Those are the Biggie joints. When you're a young dude, that's the way it goes. I just absorbed everything and tried to vibe off that. So now when I come up here and I tell you like, oh, it's not just music. People are living by the soundtrack of this. You say what now? Nah. Okay, that's not what they say. It's not what they say. So, yeah, man, it's tragic. It's tragic. Consider, though. Consider, though, consider, and you know, um, one person said that some people, you know, I'd be curious to see where that person grew up or what their background was. See, I wouldn't have told you this if I was young, you know what I mean? Because when people are not honest, you, you know, you may not be comfortable yet with admitting how vulnerable you are. You know what I mean? Some people are like, nah, nah make my own. Nah, nah, I'm just me. I'm just me. I'm just me. When I look back over the course of my life, fam, music still influences me. You know, I got friends that are rappers. If my friends say something in a rap song is cool, I start saying it. Like, my friends come around me, they use slang. I think it's cool. I start saying it. You know what I'm saying? 
So influence is real. And and, and listen, you you know, so I used to go back and forth with my man Riggs. You know, Riggs being here, Riggs Riggs be like, yo, it's just music to me. He doesn't it doesn't take him there. Um, I'm on the other side of the conversation where I say. It does damage even yeah, good looking Riggs. I'm glad you're here. I say it does damage whether you feel it or not, like working out. Like I think that God made music a certain way. He made words and melody and music a certain way. So I believe that when I work out, I believe it's benefiting me even if I come home, look in the mirror and don't feel anything. I believe if I'm eating every day, if I'm eating fried chicken every day, I don't believe I'm going to get sick every time I eat the fried chicken. But if something else comes along, my body may not be strong enough to fight it off because of the weakness inflicted by eating fried food every day, perhaps. Perhaps when stress comes, right, my cholesterol is higher from eating the fried chicken. So maybe the fried chicken didn't cause the heart attack, but it made me more susceptible to something else. I think music and influence is the same way. I don't think it makes you want to go out and kill anyone right on the spot. But I just believe we're wired a certain way. It's not about whether or not you're weak or not. Because, of, of course, I believe some people are probably more vulnerable and more subjected to certain things. But I believe that watching sexuality has the same thing. You know, some people say, oh, I watch sex scenes in movies, but it don't affect me. I, I'm on the other side of that. If I'm watching sex scenes, it's affecting me whether I feel it or not. And too many times I've watched sex scenes in movies and TV and didn't feel lustful in the spot. But then when I look back a week later, a couple days later or something like that, I'm feeling real like that real lusty feeling. You know, believers who got the Holy Ghost, who've ever had to try to fight lust. You know what that feeling is like that you feel like you tingling, like you can't like, what is this? Yeah, I don't know. So I fall on the other side that you're being influenced whether you feel it or not. Whether you feel it or not. And I and, and I don't believe it has anything to do with the strength of the person as an end-all be-all. Some people might be more subjective. I do believe that. Some people's minds are more malleable, right? But then what is what does that say? That a fourth grader the other day, and he's the he's, I don't I don't wear grow the heck up stuff, so I don't think anybody will find me and watch this, but you never know, right? He's literally the worst one on the bus. And he's like, yo, put on NBA young boy. What's up? I'm like, nah, I don't play that. He's like, why not? Listen to this. Listen, it's funny. I, just, I never told him about this conversation. This happened a couple days ago. I said, nah, I don't listen to music about black men killing each other, man. I, don't, I, don't, I, ain't, I ain't rocking with that. He's like, nah, he just did that because his grandmother died. And I'm like, what? I'm like, sure, if you don't get up out of here. You know, sometimes I play with them and talk to them, you know, real rough and whatnot. But these kids are aware and they're absorbing this. And then, you know, again, when they get the results of what they take in, people are going to say, oh, only if they have reparation. Only if they have more computers in the school. Only if their school had better textbooks. Listen to me. Starts in the uh, starts in the home. Yo, this is this is very interesting, though. This is very. I want to read this to you. I wasn't going to share this because I I was putting together a whole another podcast uh, based on this information. So for those of you who you guys might know, I've been talking about this book lately. The Triple Package, The Triple Package by Amy Chua and her husband, Jeb, Ru- Jed Rubenfeld. Um, I think she's a, a Yale professor, right? And she talked about the self-esteem movement. And so this was just last week. I listened to it for the second time. It was so good. I had to go in Barnes and Nobles and cop it. She said that Asians tend to do the best in school. They tend to uh, earn more money than whites. They have the lowest rates of teen pregnancy. So the book is about the eight eight groups who have exceptional success in America: Nigerians, Liberians, Iranians, Jews, a um, couple other groups. And one of the groups is Mormons. And Mormons are the outlier because they're the only group that isn't an, an ethnic group, right? So just talking about the things that these cultures do that give them success. So she says there's three things. That gives these immigrant cultures success, and not all of them are immigrants, right? A superiority complex, but also a fierce insecurity, and also impulse control. Impulse control, right? And here's where I'm going. She said Asians report the lowest self-esteem. When they do studies, Asians are reported to have the lowest self-esteem. Yet they do better in school generally than everyone else. Right. And guess who had the highest self-esteem? I know I know some people are not comfortable with where I'm going to take this conversation, but 
you know, it got, you know, it is what it is. Guess who had the highest self-esteem according to the study? Black people had the highest self-esteem. Nah. Nope. The triple package groups that end up successful don't usually have high self-esteem. It's what fuels them. It's why they have that chip on their shoulder that there is something to prove. They're not too cool. Like, ah. Right? So they're compensating for something. So now, now listen to this. Oh, yeah, I got you, bro. I got you, bro. Depends on how you define self-esteem, right? So now check this out. I'm listening to Dennis Prager today. For those of you who don't know, Dennis Prager is the founder of Prager U. He's a radio host. He's a Jewish, a Jewish conservative, a, Jew, a, a, a conservative religious Jew. So I'm listening to him give a talk today. This was just today. And so I got those stats in my head, right? The name of the book is The Triple Package by Amy Chu, a very good book. I just finished it for the second time. I, I haven't opened this. Some books I hear and I go buy because I need it as a reference. This is a book that was so good I needed a reference. And, and by the way, Afro Zephyr, just so you know, um, because her and her husband are both professors, I expected nothing less. But every study and every citation is in the back. Every study, every citation, where it came from, all in the back of the book. Doesn't mean it's valid. But you can trace it. I love information like that, right? So check out what I'm hearing today. It just, it just blew my mind before I heard Nipsey Hussle got shot. He said, by the way, he said he, he, he was going in on the left, right? He said, do you know who has the highest self-esteem? Right? Totally separate from this book. I listened to the book while driving. I listened to it while working out. Totally separate. I still got the video right here. I, you know, I'm, I'm all extremist and I'm, a, uh, I'm I'm super into the drama. So part of me want to turn around and play the clip to prove it to you. I just heard this today and I didn't know what to do with it. You tell me. He said, you know who else has the, the highest self-esteem, by the way? I said, oh, yeah, I've heard this before. Black people. You know what he said? He didn't say black people. Can anybody guess who he said had the highest self-esteem? Murderers. Murderers. And who did he cite? Oh, I love people to give citations. Once I start hearing you giving citations, oh, I love it. All right, now watch this. I got, I'm telling you, so nice I had to, I clipped the quote. He says, self-control is infinitely more important than self-esteem. He said, self-esteem is another left-leaning idiocy. You see, he said, and by the way, you know who has the highest self-esteem in America? I was like, oh, black people. He said, murderers. I was like, I was like, what? This is the first time I heard this today. And he said, according to Roe Baumeister, again, he, he receipts. According to Roe Baumeister, major criminologist at Case Western Reserve University of Florida. Your man gave receipts. Doesn't mean it's true, but it's good to be able to track down the information that people are spitting, Correct. He said, they think the highest of themselves, by the way, uh, he said, by the way, you have to, you know how well you have to think of yourself to take someone else's life. I'm more important than you. I can take your life. I don't know what you're going to do with that, but it was separate. I couldn't call it an agenda. I heard Larry Elder say at one time, black people, black kids were reported to have the highest self-esteem. I was like, oh, I never heard that before. That's interesting. You know, because you would think, because we always say, like, if you're doing these actions, it's because you have low self-esteem or something like that, right? So I was like, that's interesting. So then when I pick up this book, Amy Chua, right, she says the Asians, and, uh, and by the way, you can check the record, Asians earn more than whites. You know, did you guys know that? Uh, you don't got to believe it. You don't got to believe it. Just follow the logic and do some studying for yourself. She said the three, the triple packages, superiority, insecurity, and impulse control. Did you guys know that Asians have the uh, lowest rates of teen pregnancy? I don't know. It gives an incredible amount of credibility to our argument. So are Asians, are Asians inherently, genetically smarter? 
or do they have a certain level of culture hmm, that bends their behavior toward a certain conduct that produces a certain outcome? And by the way, another fascinating thing about this book was this. By the third generation, the triple package attributes are gone. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? So it's not like, oh, you're Asian, you're just awesome forever. Right? It's not like, oh, you're Nigerian, you're just awesome forever. By the time that they reach a certain pinnacle, they get Americanized and become as average as everyone else. Isn't that fascinating? I know how this conversation makes some people feel. You know, it's difficult, but be encouraged. There's a tremendous amount of mediocre white folks everywhere I turn. I don't have an inferiority complex about anyone. I don't believe in superiority and inferiority in that way because I meet. Mean, listen, I've been reading about millionaires and billionaires and successful people for a lot of years. Some of them were genius A students all the way, all the whole time. And some of them were dummies flunking out the whole time. So I don't believe that IQ is even correlated with guaranteed success at all. So just some stuff to chew on, man. Culture makes a difference. And if culture makes that difference and you got young people who want to be killers and you got a culture that tells young people it's okay to be killers. You got a culture where rappers stand up and say, you know, we going to protest the police killings and we want justice for our people. Only to turn around and spew filth and misogyny and degradation of women where you get to be a hero, even if you're a killer, murderer, self-professed dope dealer, flash money, stunning your people, tell them they ain't nothing if they don't got paper. You think that's really going to produce outcomes like other communities? Oh, back to reparations. Back to reparations. This is why maybe I can find it. Maybe I can find it and read, read it to you. This is why I don't like the reparations conversations as it is. I do believe America owes black people. That's a debt that may or may not ever get paid. Um, I believe that if you live in America, you're not oppressed now. I, I don't believe that you're oppressed. But yeah, there's a debt that wasn't paid, right? I don't know if it's going to get paid or not, but here's why I don't like. Oh, yeah. Bizzle said that. Love to glorify murder until a cop do it. Now it's not cool. Something's wrong with you. You messed up, right? So. Here's why I don't like the reparations conversation, because it's not taking into a, it's not taking, it doesn't seem to take an honest account of the things in culture that are just bound to destroy. Do you, you do understand that fatherlessness is the leading correlation of between poverty and middle class? It's fatherlessness. It's not school grades. It's none of that. It's fatherlessness single leading factor when it comes to poverty. So when people discuss the wealth gap and only say rep and only say money and reparations and all of that and don't talk about some of the ultra other cultural norms that destroy all cultures, you know. Study study the white folks in the Appalachians. Study the white folks in the Appalachians. You'll see a lot. You'll see a lot. Let me see maybe I can find it. Yeah, that's why I don't like the reparation conversation because you got black people out here acting like, oh, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for this, I would be that. Listen, man. Listen, man. Hold on. Huh. Yeah. It's like a needle in a haystack. You know. Maybe I'll find something good. But yeah, man. You know, I don't really have an underlying message for this particular scope. It's really tragic that Nipsey Hussle's dead, man. You know? What will the Billboard charts look like next month? Will they still be full of murder and misogyny? And, and again, this is the reason why race-based alliances don't make sense in a pluralistic society. White people who are doing that are stupid. Making your race a value is dumb. It's just as dumb as when America did it at its beginning. It's not smarter now.
It's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. You know, some people say, well, you know, other races stick together. When you say other races, you mean immigrant communities or what? So what are you going to do? You're going to stick with people just because they're black? Do you mean to tell me? And here's another thing why the conversation about virtue matters to me. Because I believe in the power of virtue. I believe that if you're a white person or an Asian person or a Latino person and you desire to be righteous and just, anything that's important to me will likely end up being important to you to some degree. Whereas I meet people who are black who don't care anything about what I care about. What I want out of life is not important to them. But I meet plenty of people from all walks of life, black, white, young, old and other who share my values and are moving in the same direction. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about the white people who would tolerate overt racism, even if it's not them. They just think it's like not so bad. That's not my values. So here's what it is, guys. Uh, Green Lover, who is black, married to a black man also. She said, most blacks I come across place value in their skin color. Yeah, and we've been taught that foolishness. But, um, but, uh, but Green Lover. Doesn't that sound like um, built-in self-esteem? Doesn't that sound like giving you a trophy just because you've been alive, but just because you're alive? Huh. Interesting connection, right? Because if your skin is value, you ain't got to do nothing else. Ah, you just poke fun at the white people. Ah, oh, mayonnaise, Becky, you can't dance. My value is in my ethnicity, not in what I do. I don't believe in superiority of inferiority or inferiority of races. I believe in superior choices. I believe in superior decisions. I believe in superior values. And if your values are not superior, you should change them. You know why you agree with me? You know why you agree with me? Because whenever we look at white culture and we see something that we think is inferior, like racism, what do we say? It doesn't matter that that is in your culture. It's wrong no matter what. So you should divest yourself of that piece of your culture and choose a, a superior ideal over an inferior ideal. That's what Martin Luther King said. That's what Gandhi said, even though Gandhi was a racist too. That's what they said. They said, this is in your culture. But you should let that go because there is a higher ideal than what's in your culture. But if but a lot of us as black people, we've been taught, hey, it's our culture, it's ours. It's not good because it's yours, man. It's not. And, and, and why do people talk about culture as if just because it's yours, it's good? I've had believers in Christ. One, I know a pastor who was Italian. He used to tell me, you know how he made me comfortable talking to him about race? I was still a young believer and I really wasn't so comfortable with him. Having this like race conversation about different things. But he said, let me tell you about some of the wickedness in Italian culture. He said, it's not the people. It's not their race. It's not where they were born. It's their culture. And that was the first time that I've started to, the Lord started helping me separate the who from the do. You know, we, we think it's so one that we think it's built to be like that. I'll give you an example. I put a video up on Instagram. David Banner said, white people learn this way. Black people learn this way. And then he went on to say something that I thought was poignant. So I posted it and asked people what they thought. But it was very ignorant. because It was like white people learn through like reading and writing. Black people learn through like seeing. And I was like, whoa, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. White people ain't make up no. Yeah, bro. And David Banner's woke, right? In a sense. But I was like, white people ain't make up reading and writing? <laughs> what are you talking about? Egypt? You know how many books were burned? You know what I'm saying? So... But but even that, like, Egypt is not all black people. You know what I'm saying? It's a made-up construct, and I'm kind of getting off. But, yeah, so back to what I was just saying, the green lover, that whole self-esteem thing. What the, what, what the couple's talking about? Oh, yeah. So green lover and Afro Zephyr, they're married. So I'm looking at what they're doing back and forth with each other. So when you put that intrinsic value in your skin, you know, I don't know. I think that might lend itself to mediocrity. There's nothing wrong with loving who you are. There's nothing wrong with saying I love who I am. I love the skin I'm in. But white people can't say that, can they? I haven't found any virtue or evil that should be exclusive to any one person. You understand? I haven't found anything that is genuinely good that I can say about myself that you can't say about yourself. 
In other words, I love being a hard worker. White people can say, I love being a hard worker, right? I love, you, you, you get what I'm saying? So now when you, if I say, I love my race, a white person can't, not free in America to really like say that like that without coming under fire. I don't know. You know, uh, you know, Rig said it's a result of the opposite, though. I mean, I, I get it. So what's your, what's your suggestion? Your suggestion is that and, I, and I'm not I'm just I'm just exploring with you. I'm not saying you're saying this, but is your suggestion that we continue that way, that we think equality somehow is, oh, I can say this, but you can't. I think that produces more inferiority. I think you're taking a I think I think you're taking a small win because you can't get power in society. So you're like I I feel like I feel empowered by saying I have this power that you don't have. Here's my suggestion and here's my philosophy. My skin means nothing and neither does yours. You said everything ain't for everybody. We understand it, by the way, men and women. Why is this different? What do you mean everything ain't for everybody? I don't understand that. Not virtue. Not with virtue, brother. What do you mean everything ain't for everybody? Give me an example. Give me an example. If you're talking about childbearing or something like that, then that might be different. But give me an example. Because I can't think of any virtue that one person can have and another person can't. See, white people were wrong for exalting their race, right? You exalt your character. It's who you try to be. Like, you know, I always used to make the joke, white people out here thinking their granddaddy is Benjamin Franklin. If, that, if attaching yourself to Benjamin Franklin makes you feel good because you're white and he's white, okay, sounds good. Show me somewhere else. Other than that, kick rocks. Like, you got to show me. Same with being black. Same with being black, you know? It's like you got to make yourself excellent. You got to make yourself superior. Yeah, make superior decisions, and then I'm impressed. Other than that, you look good, you got money or something like that. No, show me. Show me. Yeah, man. My man Ray Hodge said, watch out the Hellfire Club. Yeah, Benjamin Franklin, who also, man, I got a lot of good ideas from Benjamin Franklin, by the way. His, bio his, his uh, biography by Walter Isaacson, who also did... Uh, who also did Steve Jobs' biography. Very good. It was very enlightening. You know, reading that Benjamin Franklin biography really was part of helping me understand the idea that America was founded on ideas. It wasn't founded on race. Totally. Right? The It was founded on ideas. They just didn't apply the ideas like they were supposed to. Right. They were racist. The ideas that they wrote down weren't. That's why they had to pass legislation after the I think it was the Naturalization Act. The first law they passed was a racist law. Because when they first wrote it. Oh, oh, um, uh, Rick said, if there's a culture of women being inferior and men being superior, it's culturally insensitive to have male pride parades. Yeah, and you know, that's that's your opinion. I think it's dumb to have pride parades in anything that you were born with. And you are? Great. You were born with a vagina. So were what? Three and other three point five million? Oh well I'm a man. Well show me. You were born with male genitalia. So what? It means nothing. It's the same kind of dumb stuff though, bro. When a man wants to glory in being a man. Show me something, fam. I'm not I'm not impressed. It's a result of being told you're worthless. It's a pushback. Act absolutely, sure. Sure. No disagreement there. When you tell me what the result is, it doesn't mean that I'm going to agree that it's a good idea. There are a lot of things I did as a result of what was done to me didn't make it a good idea just because I can follow the train of thought. So I followed the logic of black pride, right? Because of course there was a and then watch this. Watch this. There was a time where we had to fight back and say, I love who I am. But now there was also a time, though, brother, when loving who you were meant being a certain way also. Come on now. Don't tell me you're living by the lowest moral principles ever and you're, you love being black. 
What's that mean to you? What does it mean? I just need more. You said, but we speak into white pride. See, uh, based on what you ask. So, so, so give me my question because here's what I'm saying. I'm saying white pride is just as stupid. When I see people who take pride in being white, when, when I see like Nazi racist stuff, like I think like you got to be dumb in some way, right? Because you're trying to attach value to something that you have to know is not real. I meet way too many mediocre white people. <laughs> way too many for you to really think you're superior. Like it, it, it depends on what you think about learning and intelligence and how it can be cultivated and choices and culture. When you think it's intrinsic, you're intimidated. You think all oh, white people are smarter. Listen, man. Listen, man. Hmm. If your house was more intellectual, there was a chance you would be more intellectual. If your house watched TV and that's just all they're into, hey, it's what it is, man. It's what it is. I went somewhere the other day. What's today? Before the concert, I went somewhere, sitting in there. It's a black business. A lot of black people in there. Whole conversation was sports, Duke, March Madness. Music, sports, entertainment, music, sports, entertainment. You know, I don't, you know, Riggs always telling me, like, don't knock entertainment. And I, I don't knock entertainment um, any more than I knock going to an amusement park. I love amusement parks. Not every day, though. I got stuff to do. All right. I enjoy watching shows. Oh, it's Sunday. Oh, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to catch billions. Oh, you guys don't know. I watch, you guys watch billions. Oh, I love billions. <laughs> I love that show. When I get off here. I'm going to make sure my wife and my house is straight. And before I go to bed, I'm going to go watch Billions. I'm not anti-entertainment. I don't got time for that all the time. And I'm saying, brother, I'm saying, brother, listen, and I know you know. And Riggs, I always appreciate your pushback because your pushback allows me to say things I wouldn't say if you didn't push back. So, appreciate you, brother. Check this out. Check this out. I want to show you guys some stats. So here's another thing, too, about white and black and all of this. When I read about... Uh, my man, uh, Pastor Carl, what's up? I love Billions, by the way. I'm going to catch this episode. When I read about... <laughs> your man... <laughs> When I read about, you know, Carnegie, Koch brothers, Bishop Jakes, the Hiltons, right? Like, when I read about successful people, I don't say, let me tell you something. When I, I don't know how many of y'all used to say this or say this or stuff like that. When I was a young Christian and I first started learning about business and investing, I probably used to say that's how those white people do it, right? And I knew white people. And I don't know why it didn't occur to me that the white people that I knew didn't think like that, right? But anyway, but nevertheless, I used to say, yeah, man, because, you know, black people need to do da 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 That's how white people do it. And that was just a common phraseology in my world. Have anybody, has anybody ever heard people talk like that? Yeah, man, we need to do it. And then when I started reading about successful people, the more I started emulating these traits of these successful people, the more I realized that most Americans don't have them. So it stopped being, from, this is just my experience. I'm not saying anybody got to believe, I, I, but I just want, I, sometimes I just like to show my train of thought and how I got where, I, where I'm at. It went from, oh, that's what white people do to, oh, that's what successful people do. And it's mad white people that aren't successful. So it even stopped being a white black thing for me. It's just what successful people do. So, but here's why that's important, Riggs. Here's why that's important. While I why I bring up that. Hold on. Thank you guys for hanging out. This was a Nipsey Hustle scope, but we kind of got off that. Here we go. Somebody said there's a system or standard of value for success and skin color is irrelevant to that. 
Hold on, here we go. God bless you guys. I really want to get this, man. Oh. Bomb. I did the wrong search. There we go. Here we go. Check it. This is according to Nielsen, right? This is, if you want to look this up, this is a Nielsen report um, called Resilient, Receptive, and Relevant. And it said, with the current buying power of $1 trillion, that is forecasted to reach $1.3 trillion by the year 2017. The importance of connecting with African-American consumers is more important than ever. Uh, importantly, these consumers are distinct from other consumer groups, and understanding this group is critical to making these lasting connections. This is Nielsen sizing up uh, black people the same way they size up every demographic. Con currently 43 million strong. African-American consumers have unique behaviors from the total market. Hmm. Black people have unique behaviors. Okay, I wonder what some of those unique behaviors are. I'm going to get off here and stop messing with y'all and go watch Billions, man. For example, they're more aggressive consumers of media, and they shop more frequently. So when I read that, brother... It's not me coming down on black people saying, yo, can our, com can our community and demographic afford this? Same way I might tell my friend. My friend might tell me he don't got a job. But he, he told me he just binge watch a certain show. I'd be like, you got time for that, cuz? So, so here's what Nielsen has to say. Blacks watch more television, make more shopping trips. Purchase more ethnic beauty and grooming products. I'm going to give you a pass on that. Because you know black folks, black women, our hair is different. We got to groom ourselves a certain way. So I'm going to give you a pass on the, on the beauty, right? But I'm sure that includes weaves and nails and all that, right? But okay, right? They well, Here's another thing. Look at something good. Blacks read more financial magazines and spend more than twice the time at personal hosted websites than any other group. Some of those are detriments couple of those are neutral. Make of them what you will. But saying that African Americans or black people are in a unique position, but also saying that we should be able to do what anybody else does. And that just should be it. No, if white people had a 400 head start, no, you can't say like, I don't look at it like that. I'm a divorced man. I'm remarried now. Blended family. Maybe people who don't have a broken family got more time to chill than me. That's what it is. That's just what it is. Maybe my dumb decisions made me cost me a little more. Maybe the predicament, maybe my father's dumb decisions cost me more. Maybe my mother's bad decisions cost me more. So maybe someone else whose parents didn't make bad decisions might be in a position to chill in a way that I'm not. I'm saying if you're going to say black people are in a unique position, then looking at what other people can and can't do should not be the issue. You should be looking at what does your community need? So when I look at this, I look at the Nielsen report. By the way, the Nielsen report is called, it was, it was a 2013 report and it was called resilient, receptive and relevant. And, and I see black people are more aggressive consumers of media and blacks watch more television and make more shopping trips. And this wasn't in this report, but I don't know if some of you know, black people are also over indexing on Twitter. Like we use Twitter more for whatever reason. Don't know why, have no idea, but my point is, man, look, they're telling you it's reparations. And I'm saying outside of whatever the country owes black people, listen, need that triple package culture. You need that triple package culture. You know, everybody says, look at the success of other races. You know? But they never tell you to look at what the successful races do in their house. Hmm. Right. Yeah, lots of wealthy kids in two-parent homes have drug problems and that population still has its issues. Absolutely. Which is why money doesn't create emotional stability or any of that. When we're talking about the money, oftentimes I'm only talking about the money. Right? But the money is not disconnected from the family culture. 
the money is not disconnected from the family culture. So anyway, good talking to you guys. It's grow the heck up. Yeah. Grow the heck up. I don't.